Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Today's story takes place in Valdosta, Georgia. I will be telling you the tragic story of Kendrick Johnson, a student at Lowndes High School who was found in the strangest of places. The case of Kendrick Johnson is filled with speculation, alleged cover-ups, and startling evidence. The circumstances surrounding Kendrick's death are odd and suspicious. Was Kendrick Johnson's death really just a terrible accident, or is there something or someone more sinister behind his death? I'm your host, Nisa. Welcome to the Lost Crimes Library. Settle in for the mysterious story of Kendrick Johnson. It's the evening of Thursday, January 10th, 2013, the second day since Lowndes High School students returned from winter break, and Kendrick Johnson's mother is expecting her 17-year-old son to be home soon. The students of Lowndes High School were let out a few hours ago, and Kendrick isn't home yet. But Kendrick's mother expected this, because Kendrick already told his mom that he would be going to a basketball game after school. But as the hours pass and Kendrick is still not home, his mother begins to worry. So she tries calling his cell phone. It rings and rings and rings, but Kendrick never picks up the call. With Kendrick not being home when he said he would, and with Kendrick not answering his phone, Kendrick's mother decides to take action. She jumps in her car and drives by the school a few times, hoping and maybe even expecting her son to be there. But after driving around the school, she doesn't see Kendrick. She doesn't even see anyone there. The school appeared closed for the night, so she returns home and waits until after midnight to see if her son returns home too. But he never does. So she makes a call to the police to report Kendrick missing. The next morning, on January 11, 2013, Kendrick's mother heads back to the school, hoping that Kendrick just had one of those irresponsible teenage nights, the kind where you lose track of time and forget to call home. She was hoping that maybe Kendrick decided to at least show up for his classes the next day. Like most mothers would, she wouldn't be mad at Kendrick. At this point, she would just be glad that he was safe after a long night of worrying. But when Mrs. Johnson is in a counselor's office at the high school, she learns information about Kendrick that would make any mother's heart drop through the floor. 
Inside of a counselor's office at Lowndes High School, Mrs. Johnson finds out that Kendrick hadn't shown up to his third or fourth period classes the day before. This is startling information. If Kendrick didn't show up at these classes, this means that he technically went missing way before Mrs. Johnson figured he went missing. And with this newfound information, Mrs. Johnson wastes no time. She begins strategizing with the school staff about making and posting missing flyers when she's interrupted. A phone call comes in saying that they need to lock down the school. What happens next changes everything. Lowndes High School has two gyms, one they call the old gym and one they call the new gym. In the old gym, students are hanging out before class when they notice something peculiar. In the right corner of the gym are rolled up wrestling mats, and before winter break, these wrestling mats were there, but half were rolled up, standing vertically, while the other half were rolled up, laying horizontally. But what's interesting is that when students return back from break, these mats are all standing upright. It's also important to note that these wrestling mats were relatively large, about six feet in length and three feet in width. So these students notice that something white is sticking up out of one of these rolled up wrestling mats. Intrigued by this, the student walks over to the mat to investigate further. They climb the bleachers so they can get a better look, and when they look down, it looks like a sock, maybe even a foot. So they call out to the kid, asking if they need help, but soon they realize that the person inside the mat is not moving, so they run to get help. Because the students aren't able to pull the mat down by themselves, they run to get a teacher to help them. The teacher is able to pull the wrestling mat so that it is now laying horizontally instead of vertically. And the teacher realizes that there is definitely someone inside the mat, more specifically, someone unconscious and stuck inside of the mat. So immediately, authorities are called. While waiting for police, no one bothers to unroll the mat to discover who the person is inside of it. It's only when police arrive that they begin unrolling the wrestling mat. It doesn't take long before they identify the person rolled up in this mat, but what they find is startling because a person in the mat isn't just stuck, they're dead. They identify the dead body as 17-year-old Kendrick Johnson. Upon discovering this, police notify his family, but instead of telling his family that he's dead, they just notify the family that they found Kendrick. And this moment sets the tone for the rest of the investigation into Kendrick Johnson's mysterious death. The sheriff begins making his statement to the public about what happened to Kendrick Johnson, even before Kendrick's body has made it off school property. The official story is that Kendrick Johnson died from positional asphyxia. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation comes to the conclusion that Kendrick's death was an accident. They hypothesize that Kendrick fell into the mat while looking for a shoe, but died because he got stuck on his way out. And apparently, Something like this may not be entirely strange. Some students told investigators that it wasn't uncommon for students to store their shoes behind the rolled-up wrestling and tumbling mats. And another student said that he and Kendrick shared a pair of Adidas shoes, and that after gym class, Kendrick would, quote, go to the mats, jump up, and toss the shoes inside of the middle of the hole, end quote. This is because the school would make students pay for lockers, and some students just didn't want the extra expense. What is interesting is that when Kendrick's body was found, Kendrick wasn't wearing any shoes. But at the scene, there are at least three different sneakers that are found near Kendrick's body. 
The first pair that are found are a pair of white Nikes with orange details. According to the photo evidence, these shoes are actually resting behind his knees towards the top of the mat. They almost appear to be tucked away, not like they just fell off and were left behind during the struggle to find this other pair of sneakers, but like they may have been purposefully left there. The second pair of shoes are found at the bottom of the mat, below Kendrick. These are a pair of black and white Adidas that are presumably the shoes Kendrick was reaching for that day. Under the sneaker is what appears to be a dried up pool of blood. The third sneaker is an orange and black Nike. This was found just yards away from Kendrick's body, and on this orange and black sneaker appears to be droplets of blood. You may be wondering, why did it take the second day of school for Kendrick to notice the sneaker was stuck in the upright wrestling mat? How come he didn't notice earlier? Well, apparently Lowndes High School had this system where students would attend four classes one day and then a different set of four classes the next day, alternating each day. So it can be assumed that he had his fitness class the second day of school, and that's why he ended up stuck in the mat on that day rather than the first day. When the sheriff is explaining his theory to the media, he suggests that Kendrick climbed the bleachers to reach the top of the mats. He believes that he crawled across the tops of the mats until he spotted his sneakers in one of them. Then, Kendrick supposedly wiggled his body down into the mat head first, trying to reach for his lost sneakers. Ultimately, the sheriff suggests that Kendrick got stuck, unable to move, and eventually unable to breathe. The Georgia Bureau of Investigations claims that Kendrick hung upside down in the mat unable to breathe for several hours, and eventually died of positional asphyxia. From my research, positional asphyxia is a form of asphyxia, or deficient supply of oxygen to the body, when one's body positioning prevents them from breathing properly. The theory is that Kendrick's body actually blocked any airways into the mat, which caused him to run out of oxygen. But Kendrick's family doesn't buy this theory. Instead, they believe that Kendrick was murdered, and that local law enforcement and Lowndes High School are covering it up. Unlike most cases, Kendrick Johnson's case has a lot of photo evidence, and I'll link an article with the photo evidence from this case in the show notes of this episode. According to a Daily Mail article on this case, a 15-minute video and nearly 700 photos were taken by investigators from Lowndes County Sheriff's Office after finding Kendrick's body. Probably the most important piece of photo evidence is the photo of Kendrick's body. In this photo, you can see Kendrick lying on the floor. His face is bloated with pooled blood. And not only that, but his dreadlocks are also soaked in blood, and the floor has blood on it too. Along a wall near his body, there are also streaks of blood. However, investigators claim that this blood found on the wall doesn't belong to Kendrick. And remember those shoes with what appears to be blood droplets on them? While investigators deny this is blood, and never collect the shoes as evidence. And there's more. A hoodie with what appears to the naked eye to be blood-like droppings is left at the scene, too. Kendrick's family had issues with local law enforcement's handling of the case, and they don't buy the sheriff's theory that Kendrick's death was an accident. And to some people, this would seem like a grieving family that was grasping for a way to understand their child's death any way that they could. But when the Johnsons released the photos of Kendrick's dead body, people actually started agreeing with the family. In these photos that the family released, it's hard for people to understand how he died accidentally, because the photos show Kendrick's face swollen and unrecognizable, almost like he had been beaten. But what the family doesn't disclose to the public 
is that these photos were actually taken at the funeral, not at the scene where Kendrick's body is first found. You see, the funeral was the first time Kendrick's family was actually allowed to see his body. I'm sure shocked by the gruesome images they saw, they wanted answers, and they felt going public with the images was the only way to get them. The photos of Kendrick at the funeral appear worse because of the handling of his body at the funeral home. You can see the difference from the photo of Kendrick at the scene versus the photo taken at his funeral if you click the link in the show notes of this episode. In both photos, Kendrick's face looks unrecognizable. These photos aren't the only thing that draws suspicion. According to the Daily Mail, the sheriff's office spent only four months investigating Kendrick's case before they closed it in early May. Why did the Lowndes County Sheriff's Office close the case so quickly, especially with the questionable circumstances surrounding Kendrick's death? Why were they so adamant that Kendrick died accidentally before pursuing other possible theories? The Johnsons decide to hire an independent pathologist. According to this new independent autopsy, the examiner found traces of blunt force trauma to the right neck and soft tissues. The report concluded that Kendrick's death was not an accident. After the new findings from the independent pathologist, Kendrick's family begins taking steps to prove that their son was murdered. The Johnsons file a legal action to open a coroner's inquiry into Kendrick's death. However, the judge ends up delaying a decision because they're waiting for the review by the U.S. District Attorney before they rule. Kendrick's family demands that the Georgia governor immediately authorize the inquiry instead. The Johnson family, as well as the NAACP and other activists, take to rally at the state capitol in Atlanta. But the governor's office releases a statement saying they are awaiting the report of the U.S. attorney. What's crazy is that this is not the first time that Kendrick's family has asked the Lowndes County Coroner Bill Watson for an inquest. According to a Daily Mail article, in March of 2013, the family made a similar request. At the time, Bill Watson indicated that he would look at the case again, but he never followed through with it. And this isn't the only strange behavior to come from Lowndes County law enforcement. Apparently, the behavior of local law enforcement when Kendrick's body was found raises some eyebrows. In an interview with CNN, a formal federal agent who turned private investigator, Harold Copus, raises suspicion about the police's handling of the case. The Johnsons already believed that Kendrick was murdered, that there was no way that his death could have been accidental. But with the experience of a past federal agent and some new evidence that surfaces, could the Johnsons be right? Was Kendrick murdered? Remember the hoodie, the blood splatter on the wall, and the orange and black Nike found near Kendrick's body? Remember how none of this was taken in as evidence? Well, according to Harold Copus, the fact that none of this was considered evidence is shocking. According to Copus, quote, if you're running a crime scene, then you're going to say that's potential evidence, end quote. So even if an investigator is doubtful that something is critical evidence to the case, this doesn't mean that it shouldn't be collected because there's always a small possibility or potential for said evidence to be helpful in the case. But suspicions don't stop there. If you look at the photos of the old gym at Lowndes High School where Kendrick was found, you can see that the gym is relatively small. And in that small gym, there were reportedly kids playing basketball when Kendrick was supposedly searching for his shoe in the mat. How did no one see or hear Kendrick during the middle of a school day when people were in the gym? If Kendrick accidentally fell in and got stuck, wouldn't these people hear him screaming for help? 
Wouldn't they witness him crawling into the top of a wrestling mat? The first piece of evidence the family begins to look at is the mat where Kendrick's body was found. When the mat was measured, they discovered that the mat was between 14 and 14 and a half inches in diameter. However, Kendrick's parents claim that their son's shoulders are too big to fit inside of this rolled up mat because Kendrick's shoulders measured 19 inches wide. Kendrick's family also insists that Kendrick would never reach into the mat looking for a sneaker because Kendrick was 5 foot 10 while the mat was 6 feet tall. They say that Kendrick wouldn't try reaching if he knew that his arms couldn't touch the bottom of the mat, where these sneakers were supposedly hidden. There's even a photo of Kendrick's dad, Kenneth Johnson, trying to show how impossible it would have been for someone with Kendrick's stature to fit into this mat. This discovery leads his family and others to believe that Kendrick couldn't have been able to fit into the mat if it was rolled up, so they suggest that Kendrick was actually rolled up inside of the mat. But some suggest that this discovery isn't necessarily proof that Kendrick was murdered. After all, isn't it also likely that Kendrick could have attempted to grab the sneaker by placing one or both of his arms above his head before going down into the mat? Almost as if he was diving into the hole at the top of the mat? Couldn't this position make it at least slightly more possible that his body could fit into the mat? And the photos of Kendrick's body may support this possibility because he was found with one arm above his head and the other arm near his waist. Kendrick's family also points to the many sneakers found at the scene when authorities first find Kendrick's body. Remember the first pair of sneakers? The white Nikes with orange details? Well, they argue that the placement of the shoes indicate that someone else tucked the shoes in the mat maybe to ensure that they wouldn't fall out. It's argued that there is no way Kendrick could have placed his shoes behind his knees as he was traveling downwards into the mat. Not only that, but some also argue that if Kendrick was wearing his shoes when he entered the mat and they fell off, they wouldn't land sandwiched between his knees and the mat. If anything, they would be closer to the top of the mat. But others pose that there may be a reason why his shoes are tucked behind his knees that don't mean murder. For instance, Maybe Kendrick realized he was stuck, so he kicked off his shoes as he was trying to backpedal to the top of the mat, and then they fell behind his knees. However, the most compelling evidence that the family presents includes a different sneaker, the elusive Adidas sneaker that Kendrick was allegedly reaching for. Towards the start of this episode, I told you about the second sneaker that police found at the scene the black and white Adidas sneaker that Kendrick shared with another student found at the bottom of the mat. Remember how I said that the photo evidence showed the sneaker lying near a dried up pool of blood? Well, Kendrick's family points to this sneaker being an important factor in the death of their son. The reason that there's a pool of blood at the bottom of the mat is because if Kendrick was hanging upside down for hours with depleting oxygen, the blood would have rushed all the way down to his head and eventually, the blood would have seeped out of every orifice in his face. So, this pool of blood would be expected, whether it was an accident or a murder. Although this isn't odd or entirely unexpected, what is unexpected is that the shoe that Kendrick is allegedly reaching for is on top of the pool of blood. What's even stranger is that the photo evidence shows that this Adidas shoe has no blood on top of it. How can this be? If Kendrick is reaching for this shoe at the bottom of the mat, he gets inside of it and blood eventually starts to seep out of his head, 
Wouldn't the blood also be on top of the shoe, not just under it? You may be thinking, well, since the shoe is black, it's possible that the blood just isn't showing. Well, the shoe also has white details along the edge of it, and still, there is not one single drop of blood on top of this part of the sneaker. This piece of evidence leads Kendrick's family and many others to believe that the scene where Kendrick was found could have possibly been staged. Another piece of evidence that Kendrick's family cites is the photo of the streaks of blood on the gym wall found near Kendrick's body, as well as blood found on some paper towels in the girls' bathroom. When police tested this blood evidence, it did not end up being Kendrick's blood. However, the police never ended up testing the blood to see who else it could have been. If you rule out the blood not belonging to the victim, then it has to be someone else's. Why not test the blood to see who it belongs to, just to make sure that there was no foul play? To the family and many others who follow this case, the actions by the police are incredibly odd and suspicious. It seems that they were entirely focused on proving this was an accident from the beginning. Along with not testing the blood evidence for other matches besides Kendrick, police didn't collect important evidence at the scene. Even if Kendrick's death was truly an accident, the police made it impossible for Kendrick's family to ever successfully rule out murder or corroborate accidental death because they didn't collect crucial evidence. They gave no thought to preserving the evidence in case the family ever wanted to retest it. It's pretty clear that the police were already determined to rule this case an accident. If you weren't suspicious already, what comes to the surface in November of 2013 might just change your mind. In November 2013, 290 hours of surveillance tape from 35 cameras that covered the gym area was released to CNN following a court request. In the footage, you can find Kendrick Johnson walking to the gymnasium just moments before his death. In other footage, you can even spot Kendrick running past a group of boys playing basketball. In this video, in the bottom right corner of the frame, he appears to be running towards the wrestling mats where his body would be found later. But what's interesting and even frustrating is that there's no timestamp for this video, so there's no way to really know how much time passed between the basketball game and when he went into the mat. With over 200 hours of surveillance tape from 35 cameras at Lowndes High School, you would think that Kendrick's movements would be easy to follow, that investigators would be able to piece together the moments that led to Kendrick's untimely death. But you'd be mistaken, because apparently some of the surveillance footage is missing. A forensic analyst enlisted by CNN uncovered that tapes from two cameras were missing an hour and five minutes of footage and another set was missing two hours and 10 minutes of footage. But the reasons given for these lapses were that the camera systems were not synchronized with one another, resulting in the appearance of footage gaps. To explain away any other footage mishaps, apparently some cameras motion activated functions were not being triggered. And when it comes to surveillance footage and the place where Kendrick's body is found, this area was outside of the range of all of the surveillance cameras. The family of Kendrick begins to fear that the camera footage was edited as part of a cover-up. Apparently, law enforcement did not retrieve the footage themselves. Actually, the school retrieved the footage and then gave it to the police. In addition, the police did not actually receive the footage until several days later, according to a CNN article. This seems like an error in judgment by the local law enforcement. 
Isn't it totally possible that the school could have edited out footage or only gave certain clips of the footage to police? Why wouldn't the police want to retrieve the footage for themselves to ensure the integrity of the surveillance videos? However, Valdosta Daily Times reviewed the video footage before Kendrick's death and claims that these discrepancies can be explained. According to the article in Valdosta Daily Times, Al Rowell, the director of technology for Lowndes County School, claims, quote, each surveillance server has its own internal clock, and one server's clock may not match another's. The servers do not communicate with each other to sync up their clocks. Not having that time sync capability can lead to extreme time differences between the servers. For example, when one camera captures what is happening at noon, another camera on a separate server could capture the same moment, but timestamp it as 12.10 p.m. End quote. On November 7, 2013, the lawyer for Kendrick's family made a statement in a press conference saying that the video footage contained no timestamps and that there was no way of making sense of the video footage. After that statement, the Valdosta Daily Times revealed that they found that timestamps do exist for a portion of the videos. Apparently, the videos were separated into two separate hard drives. One folder on the hard drive contains videos without timestamps, while the other folder contains the software and raw data camera footage. In this folder, you must install specific software to actually view the timestamps. However, in a conflicting article by CNN, CNN hired a forensic video analyst named Grant Fredericks who revealed that, quote, the surveillance video has been altered in a number of ways, primarily in image quality and likely in dropped information loss. There are also a number of files that are corrupted because they've not been processed correctly and they're not playable. I can't say why they were done that way, but they were not done correctly and they were not done thoroughly so we're missing information, end quote. He also claims that there is at least one hour of video footage that's missing. This is all highly suspicious. Why would you allow Lowndes High School, a party that might fear being held responsible for Kendrick's death, handle the footage? And didn't the police find it incredibly suspicious that there's an hour of missing footage, not to mention how long it took the school to hand over the footage? In the surveillance footage, you can see Kendrick entering C-Wing near the school's foreign language classrooms at 1.25 p.m. He's walking alone, carrying a yellow folder that investigators would later find near his body. He then smiles as he turns the corner near the B-Wing stairs and continues to walk down the hallway in front of the guidance and administration offices. He doesn't stop to talk to anyone, no one appears to be following him, and he doesn't appear to be following anyone. With the belief that a major cover-up is happening, the Johnsons petition for their son's body to be exhumed. They believe that what they find may lead them to the truth of what happened to their son. In June of 2013, a judge grants the exhumation of Kendrick's body, and what the pathologist finds is alarming. According to the autopsy, Kendrick Johnson was missing his organs, and his body had been stuffed with newspaper. This isn't entirely strange. You see, in important cases like this one, it isn't uncommon for organs to be stored elsewhere so they can be preserved for further investigation. And apparently, stuffing a dead body with newspaper isn't uncommon either. Although it is technically an outdated practice, it was once very popular and can still be seen today. But what's interesting is that the Georgia Bureau of Investigation claimed that they sent Kendrick's body to the funeral with all of his organs inside of him. However, the coroner for GBI claimed that this wasn't the case, 
that the organs were too decomposed and they had to be disposed of. And the funeral home claims that they received Kendrick's body without his organs. In addition, Kendrick's clothes were said to have mysteriously been missing also, despite the funeral home signing a document saying they received all of his things. All of this sparks suspicion inside of the Johnson family. To the family, having no organs to test was further proof that their son's death was a cover-up. The Johnsons filed a lawsuit against the funeral home. However, the funeral home was eventually cleared of any wrongdoing. And what the private pathologist finds next is startling. In this second autopsy, the pathologist finds something that may lead to more concrete evidence of what happened to Kendrick. In this report, the cause of death reads, quote, blunt force trauma, right neck, involving right mandible and soft tissues, including the area of the carotid body, consistent with inflicted injury. Note, unexplained apparent non-accidental blunt force trauma. Further investigation is indicated to determine the etiology of the injuries. End quote. For the family, this discovery is huge. This pathologist is essentially agreeing with their conclusion that Kendrick did not die from an accident. These new findings are just what the Johnsons need to prove that their son was murdered. And not only do they have this new autopsy report, but they also have a theory about what happened to Kendrick. They suggest that Kendrick was the subject of bullying. According to them, 14 months prior to Kendrick's death, he and another football player got into a fight on a bus. People say that Kendrick and this other kid were friends. However, Kendrick's family is adamant that they were not friends. In a CNN article, it states that the other student had a history of provoking and attacking Kendrick Johnson at school. In this same article, it claims that Mrs. Johnson knew about these incidents and complained to the school about them, that Kendrick was improperly accused and blamed for instigating a school bus fight, and that the school officials refused to let Kendrick's mother view the bus surveillance video. And there's more. According to this same article by CNN, it alleges that the older brother of the student who attacked Kendrick stated to him, quote, it ain't over. The Johnson family begins to allege that this boy who got in a fight with Kendrick, along with this boy's older brother, are the ones responsible for killing Kendrick. They even allege that these boys are being protected by law enforcement because of their connection to the FBI. These two boys are actually sons of an FBI agent, and this fact leads the Johnsons to believe that the boy's father is helping to cover up his son's sins. The Johnsons allege that this FBI agent is working with every authority involved in the case, even Lowndes High School, to cover up Kendrick's murder. However, this seems highly unlikely because surveillance footage shows one of the brothers in another wing of the high school when Kendrick is supposedly searching for a shoe. And the other brother had an alibi at a wrestling tournament. According to a tweet by the kid, he claims that he was at the tournament from the 9th of January to the 11th of January, the day Kendrick's body was found. However, people who follow this case closely end up presenting conflicting evidence. It is discovered that the bus for the tournament didn't leave until the 10th. This leads people to believe that the kid could have still killed Kendrick before his tournament. However, it ends up being cleared up that this kid left at 12.30 p.m., well before Kendrick was said to have entered the gym where he would later be found dead. But then again, the internet investigators believe they found a hole in this kid's alibi because they claim they found a travel log that shows that the bus didn't actually leave until 4 p.m., after Kendrick was supposedly stuck in the mat. 
According to the Crime Junkie podcast episode, The Mysterious Death of Kendrick Johnson, what the internet investigators found wasn't a travelogue, but actually a trip request that showed the time of the event, which started at 4 p.m. So this means that the boys, who the Johnson family alleges to have killed Kendrick, were nowhere near the scene of the supposed crime. At this point, the case has been alive for years. There have been many theories and innumerable suspicions, but everything that is discovered along the way never seems like enough proof to authorities that Kendrick's death was the result of murder. The Johnson family loses lawyer after lawyer, each one dropping the case. And ultimately, on June 20, 2016, the U.S. Department of Justice announced they would not be filing any criminal charges related to Johnson's death. The DOG stated that, quote, After extensive investigation into this tragic event, Federal investigators determined that there is insufficient evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone or some group of people willfully violated Kendrick Johnson's civil rights or committed any other prosecutable federal crime, end quote. But despite these rulings, the group Anonymous refreshes interest into Kendrick Johnson's case. In case you didn't know, Anonymous is a decentralized international activist movement that is known for its many cyber attacks against different governments, government institutions, and corporations, some of which include the Church of Scientology and Sony. A few years after Kendrick's death, Anonymous releases a 10-minute video presenting all of the suspicious and questionable evidence in Kendrick Johnson's case. I have linked the full video in the show notes if you want to listen to the whole thing. The anonymous video attempts to highlight a racial motive for why Kendrick's case is so suspicious, and this idea that racial bias may be at the center of this case is also suggested by the Johnson family in their lawsuit filed against Lowndes County Board of Education, the City of Aldosta, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the Police Chief of Aldosta, and other numerous individuals. In their lawsuit against the Lowndes County Board of Education, the suit alleges that Kendrick was, quote, violently assaulted, severely injured, suffered great physical pain and mental anguish, and subjected to insult and loss of life on January 10, 2013. The lawsuit also alleged that Kendrick's constitutional rights to equal protection were violated based on his race, that the school allegedly ignored reports of Kendrick being repeatedly harassed and attacked by a white student. After the family's many failed civil lawsuits, Jackie and Kenneth Johnson, Kendrick's parents, were sued for more than $850,000 in attorney fees and $1 million in defamation damages. And on August 10, 2017, Richard Porter, a Georgia judge, ruled that the Johnsons and their attorney must pay more than $292,000 in legal fees to those they accused of foul play in their lawsuits that they previously dropped. However, despite all of this, the Johnsons persisted, desperate to unearth the truth that they felt was still hidden. In 2018, Kendrick's body is exhumed again because the family requested a third autopsy. When the report comes back, it is much like the second autopsy report. It concludes that Kendrick's death is non-accidental. However, there's an addendum to the second autopsy report. According to the report, Kendrick's death is due to blunt force trauma to the right anterolateral thorax, which is the body cavity between the neck and the abdomen. Along with this addendum, in November of 2018, something emerges that may finally prove that Kendrick Johnson's death was the result of a murder. According to an article in Valdosta Today, two days before the Johnson family was ordered to pay attorney's fees, the Johnson's lawyer filed an affidavit that contained a statement from a 27-year-old Valdosta man that claims he heard Kendrick's killer confess to murdering him. 
This man claims that Brandon Bell, one of the sons of that FBI agent I mentioned earlier, one of the boys who was claimed to have been harassing Kendrick, admitted to killing Kendrick while this witness was at Brandon Bell's apartment in Jacksonville, Florida in April 2016. According to Valdosta Daily, in this affidavit, Brandon admits to the following. Brian Bell, Brandon's brother, killed Kendrick Johnson. Brandon Bell, Brian Bell, and a third individual argued with Kendrick Johnson in the school's gym. Brian Bell struck Kendrick Johnson with a dumbbell during a roid rage. Brian Bell threatened the third individual to keep quiet. Former FBI agent Rick Bell contacted former Lowndes County Sheriff Chris Pine about the fight. Pine met with the county coroner. An unnamed FBI agent altered Lowndes High School surveillance footage. Kendrick Johnson's organs were removed to obscure time of death, and Kendrick Johnson's autopsy records were falsified. If this witness is telling the truth, all of this is incredibly compelling. However, some may argue that due to the witness's past, his allegations shouldn't be believed. According to Valdosta Daily, in January of 2013, the witness was arrested for burglary. In September of 2016, the witness was arrested for possession of marijuana and meth. And in July of 2017, the witness was arrested for criminal trespassing. None of this necessarily means that the witness is lying. However, it does cast suspicion. This case is full of twists and turns. Moments where you're sure that you know what really happened to Kendra Johnson on that mysterious day, and other moments where everything that you've learned, everything that was discovered along the way, just goes out the window. In my opinion, it's hard to say whether Kendrick Johnson's death was accidental or a result of murder. At the very least, the handling of Kendrick's case, the strange activities by local law enforcement like the omission of evidence, the handling of the surveillance footage, and the careless disposal of Kendrick's organs is all cause for suspicion. Just as much as this case has been a roller coaster ride, full of twists and turns, the Johnsons' lives after the death of their son was even more so. I can understand why the Johnsons insisted that their son was murdered, that they needed answers for their son's death. After all, his death was incredibly strange, and the location of his body was peculiar and even a little unfathomable. I do agree with the family that had this been a white kid found inside of a wrestling mat, there would have been a more thorough investigation. Not only that, but residents in Lowndes County would be supporting the family's demands that the government and local authorities provide answers. Although it's disappointing the way that this case was handled by the Lowndes County Sheriff's Office, other local law enforcement, and Lowndes High School, it's even more disappointing that Kendrick Johnson's life was cut so short, and that his story of his life has been overwhelmed by the story of his death. In 2020, after the murder of George Floyd, protesters began demanding that Kendrick's case be reopened. An online petition was started to reopen the case, however, a case cannot be reopened unless there's new evidence or significant developments in the case. Despite this, Kendrick's family is grateful for all the support, and they even allude to the possibility of the case being reopened. In an interview with WALB News, Kendrick Johnson's father, Kenneth Johnson, said, quote, There are several things in motion, but I just can't speak on it right now, end quote. Kendrick Johnson's parents never give up the fight for justice for their son. Memories of their son ignite their drive to find out the truth about Kendrick's death. His parents describe Kendrick as a funny young man who liked to sing in the shower, who dreamed of playing college football and enjoyed teasing his older sister. In an interview, Mrs. Johnson said Kendrick preferred staying at home with friends, occasionally going to the mall or going to get a bite of eat. She added, 
Kendrick was a child any parent would want to have. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of the Lost Crimes Library, you can find it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the LCL Pod for any podcast updates. Remember, sharing is caring, so make sure to share this podcast and also leave a review. It helps a lot. And don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss any new episodes. This episode was written and hosted by Nisa Henderson, and it was produced by Channing Tapp and Nisa Henderson. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.